This podcast is brought to you by my new book, Rock Bottom. Bouncing back from rock bottom need not always be a complex recovery process that requires a degree in psychiatry to understand. Sometimes you just need real, simple, actionable advice that you can understand and follow step by step to find peace, healing and confidence. After getting divorced in 2013, I hit my rock bottom, physically, mentally and financially. I know what rock bottom is like and I know what I did to recover. This book is my story, but also the simple, actionable steps I took, and you can too, to bounce back from rock bottom and live the life you always dreamed of. Don't lose years of precious time with your family and friends. Read the book, take the actions, and start the path to recovery now. Marcus Pierce has called it a confronting memoir addressing the three words we fear most, who am I? While Cindy O'Meara says it is a timeless book, Greta's mastered how to go from rock bottom and find a way back to the top. Grab your copy of Rock Bottom by heading to rockbottombook.com.au or clicking on the link in the show notes. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to This Week in Wellness with Brett Hill. Real news, real health, real quick. Hi, I'm Brett Hill, and this week in Wellness, Australian Prescriber published its annual list of the 10 most commonly taken and the 10 most costly prescription drugs for the Australian government based on the Pharmaceutical Benefits Scheme data collected between July 2019 and June 2020. In a fascinating snapshot into the health of Australians, the top two prescribed medications were both statins, prescribed to lower cholesterol, and sold as Crestor and Lipitor, accounting for 12.9 and 11.2 million prescriptions, respectively. The next two were proton pump inhibitors prescribed for reflux, while the rest of the list consisted of a blood pressure medication, two antidepressants, two antibiotics, and a type 2 diabetes medication. An increase in women being diagnosed with depression was attributed to the second of those antidepressants, sertraline, sold under the brand name Zoloft, being added to the top 10 for the first time. The director of Monash Alfred Psychiatry Research Centre, Professor Jayashri Kalkani, said she was concerned people were being prescribed sertraline too readily without also attending psychology sessions, stating that medication alone was often not enough to reliably treat depression in the long term. Getting Zoloft will be a small part of addressing the issue, but women also need good psychotherapy to deal with trauma and to re-empower them, she said. She went on to say she must heal from the earlier trauma and feel empowered to have better self-esteem and make better choices for their next relationships or careers. The most costly drug to the federal government in 2019-20 was aflibercept, most commonly used to treat macular degeneration, a chronic eye disorder that if left untreated can cause blindness. This drug cost the government more than $392 million. The rest of the most expensive list is dominated by medications used to treat cancer and autoimmune conditions. As always, the links are in the show notes. Now, my opinion on this is that whilst this is by no means a complete snapshot of our health in our nation, it really is a fascinating insight into what's going on. You know, both of these lists are dominated by drugs that are used to treat lifestyle-related chronic diseases. And it really does show where we're at in terms of our health in our nation. The sums of the money that these medications are costing, both the individual and the public, are staggering, with individuals paying for 20% of the nation's medical cost directly and then 68% indirectly via the government. Now, of course, there's a time and a place for medical intervention. And when we get to the stage where we need crisis care, then there's absolutely a requirement for these to be available. And they can be an absolute godsend for people in treating those conditions. 
At the same time, I think we need to really have a look at what we're doing before we get to that stage. You know, according to the Australian Nursing and Midwifery Foundation, just 2% of our health expenditure is spent on prevention. So this enormous amount of money we're spending right at the end when we've got these chronic diseases, perhaps some of that needs to be shifted earlier so that we can perhaps prevent some of these diseases to perhaps prevent some of the ill health as a result of these diseases, prevent possibly needing to spend so much money on treating these diseases at the end point and get to them a whole lot earlier. So it's important to remember, even that 2% that we talk about, you know, much of that is used for early detection, which is nothing against early detection. You know, the earlier we detect these things, the better. The greater intervention we have, the greater health outcomes we can have, most likely the less expense we can have. So early detection is great, but it's still not prevention. You know, we still need to figure out what we can do to prevent these disorders from coming on in the first place and how we need to change our lifestyles, how do we need to change our health approach in order to help that happen. So we need to focus more on wellness and prevention, both as individuals and a society, in order to reduce this enormous expense, both in terms of cost of these medications, both in terms of cost uh, to the individual of these diseases, and also in terms of lost quality of life and lost years of life for the individuals in question and for their families and loved ones. So you've been listening to This Week in Wellness with Brett Hill. To continue the conversation, find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash This Week in Wellness. If you like this episode, please leave a review on iTunes. And for more information about this and other projects from me, head to drbretthill.com. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.